Hey, Amadeus. Hey, how are you doing? I am doing absolutely outstanding. How are you doing? I'm good. <laughs> I am. Good. Good. Different, little different times than the last time we spoke. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, you are, you are, it's definitely a different time. Yeah. Still got some of the some of the same stuff going on, but it's different. Are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. I oh, I heard you say it feels, and then I didn't hear the rest. Sorry. Yeah, I, I was saying that um, we still got some of the same situations going on, mm-hmm. but it's slightly different from the last time that we spoke. Yes, and. Um... I've definitely been encouraging people to, you know, keep on, keep oning and, uh, uh, you know, not get complacent right now. But also I've had to tell a few people to also take the wind in the sails and, and some hope and some sense of union and, you know, don't just, uh, subscribe to extreme negativity. I mean, we've got to, <laughs> we've got to keep on, keep oning with some some light that's been brought in you know yeah yeah so that's good that's good and i'll let you give your prediction on do you <laughs> think uh, trump is gonna leave office be, be escorted out of office <laughs> i'm laughing oh, I, yeah. that's interesting maybe we should talk a little and then i will come to that <laughs> when, we will we will okay. yeah towards the what end. do you want uh, do you want to start off with the uh, great uh, the Connecticut compromise? I actually, I actually, if you don't mind, I thought uh, I should start with Veterans Day, <laughs> since it's forgotten sounds history. Good. Does that sound good? That sounds good. Okay. All I'm... right. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I said we'll we'll start with that. Yeah, I was I was excited to do. Um, not on. Not only am I a fan of the number 1111, which has become a very popular thing. Uh, you know me, mm-hmm. I, I work in the, the, the other realms out there, and I also do music, and numbers are frequency. Um, so I, lo- I love that it's 1111. But um, today's Veterans Day, and I, I was thinking about how your show and what I love so much is forgotten history and how, how much is forgotten, even, you know, things that we know that we ourselves forget, you know, if we once knew. Right. And I think a lot of people probably relate to this and I, I, I'd love to hear what, you know, your experience, but when, when I was little and I was a history freak, I told you, you know, by the age of seven, I'd read every biography in the library, yet I still didn't quite get what the big difference between Veterans Day and Memorial Day when I was little. You know, I knew I knew they had something in common, but what was it? And I think a lot of people have really become confused with that and they've forgotten how how both of these, you know, came to be. And think of it more, you know, a day off school, <laughs> the banks aren't open, I can't catch that check, and you know, maybe I'll eat some Doritos or, you know, drink beer or whatever. <laughs> and I think it's important. Well, well, what I'll do, I'll I'll let you um, I'll let you get into explaining the difference of. Okay, thank you. And so, so yeah, I did. I, I mean, I don't remember when it. I took it upon myself to remember the difference, or, or you know, figure it out. Well, well, hold on. Let me let me, let's start. Let's uh let's let's start the show. Okay. And I'm gonna do my intro. Okay. And I got a two uh, about two minute worth of intro okay and then i'll uh, do the introduction okay all right yep <laughs> here we go okay there's nothing like family at the end of the day sunset that's all you have ultimately that's all you need a bunch of brothers bleed and sweat together Walk through summer, all lifting and running. Moments like these, because you don't ever get them back. Thank you, guys, for your heart and soul, because that's what you're gonna put in it tonight. You're gonna do it for the guy to your left, the guy to your right. 
Because that's all that matters. God to your left. God to your right. No time. It's time to turn the yellow attack of losing. <laughs> we didn't come here to play around. Can't take care of business. Responsibilities, coaches are passed out to me. But every man takes a side seriously. But it won't be confident. Let him handle every moment. Let him stand in the face of the challenger. And don't retreat. It'll come with these men to do what they came here to do. And we'll see in the end. Welcome to another edition of Forgotten History. Good morning, good evening, and good night. Well, everybody, it's the days after the presidential election, and we are here again to talk about another exciting past that we've had. I have uh, my special guest, Amadeus. As everybody knows that I've spoken to Amadeus before and leading up to the election, we spoke and she gave her opinion. And so now it's after the election and we will get a recap from Amadeus because it's a lot going on. It's a whole lot going on. And and you all heard of this intro that we just had. That's very fitting for today, Veterans Day. Yes. To look and protect the person on your right, to look and protect the person on your left, mm. and fight mm -hmm. until you can't fight no more. Mm -hmm. That's what it seems like we are in today. We're in a big old fight. And so we got to look to the left and look to the right to protect our our person to the right and left of us. And we got to fight and keep fighting and keep fighting. Amadeus, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And that was very moving, what you just said. <laughs> uh, I love that you played that. Um, and thank you for having me back. Yes, uh, much has changed uh, and yet not. And, and we will we will speak on that. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to jump into Veterans Day if that. If that Let's works. jump right into Veterans Day. All right. I Happy, happy Veterans Day to all of the veterans. Yeah. And go ahead. Go ahead and let's jump into this, uh, Amadeus. All right. Thank you so much, Mark. You know, I, I love being here and I love uh, your title and what you're doing, Forgotten History. Um, there's so much forgotten history. We could go on and on about even is history history, who wrote the history, but um, so many things, uh, you know, get lost, even things that we once knew. And one of the things that I do think people get confused on, I, I think I was telling you earlier, um, is what is the difference between Veterans Day and Memorial Day? When I was little, I read a lot of history. I mean, really little, but I remember still being confused what was quite the difference. And I think it's important since we're talking today to talk about it and to honor veterans. And um, one of the main differences is uh, one of your favorite, not favorite, I'm saying <laughs> people, <laughs> Wilson, that we've spoken of before, um, started the idea of Veterans Day as Armistice Day, uh, sort of commemorating the end of World War One. But after yes. going through, and I'm not going to give a whole history thing, jump in, but going through uh, many world wars, and I believe the Korean War, um, veterans of all wars, people alive and, you know, deceased, and people that had served, you know, during uh, times of war, but also during times of peace to protect the man on the right, the woman on the right, you know, just like your recording, right? right? 
um, to be honored for, for serving. So Veterans Day has a very different quality than Memorial Day, which does uh, commemorate those uh, that have died during wars or service. And I think it's important to remember that. However a person you know, feels about war, about a military, all of that, I think on this day we should be thankful and uh, honor people that have served in a country, for a country and in a country that we live in. So this um, became Veterans Day out of Armistice Day, out of the World War One thing, to honor um, people that have served in all branches at all different times, whether they are alive, whether it was peacetime, wartime. And I want to thank everybody for their service. And, um, and to remember that, because like I said, I think a lot of people are very confused beyond that they get a day off or there's a holiday. Just They think it's a nebulous something to do with the military, and that's all they know. Do you think, do you think Woodrow Wilson started that um, because he wanted to, or do you think maybe he was influenced to mm -hmm. uh, start that? Um, because, you know, Woodrow Wilson was not a very good guy. Yeah, I you know. know. <laughs> he was a very educated man, yeah. but he wasn't, a, I guess, um, uh, he wasn't a fan favorite for especially African-Americans. Yes, yes. Um, I, you know, it's, it, I, I wonder, did he, was he, um, was that a part of his, um, gratitude for uh, coming through World War One, and he just wanted to do something uh, special for I guess white soldiers because I know <laughs> that he probably <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the black soldiers he probably left, the old, left, left, left all the black soldiers out oh. of the, all of the celebration. Yes and I and I and you know I mean of course that we're it's conjecture on our parts but but yes, I, I mean, if I were to guess, and that is where I started with what does history mean? Who wrote it? I'm telling you, Wilson, you know, in quotes, uh, began this. But what does that even mean? Did, who wrote that down? I would, I would say, based on what I know, what I feel, that it would be more something he was advised. I, I you know, I am not a Wilson scholar. I mean, I, I know a lot about him, but I'm not a Wilson scholar. So anybody that listens that knows something different, you know, let me know. But I would say, no, that was an advice thing that got hung on him. That was a difficult war and uh, making it commemorations. Sometimes there's a good publicity thing. Um, but what's more interesting is how actually it did get turned around and there was a need and then from, 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 from people, the people at large, to commemorate people that have been in service. You know, mm -hmm. later, and I think it was 1954. So we can trace back to where this idea came from, but it's actually a completely different idea, the Veterans Day that we have now, than mm -hmm. it originated. So, what were the uh, change in 1954? That's when uh, different uh, people asked to take Armistice Day. I think it was still called that. I mean, uh, don't quote me exactly on this, but after all those wars and so much service and so much, uh, you know, uh, loss, um, uh, I, think, I believe it is veterans and people that, you know, were friendly to veterans that uh, applied to make a change to call this a day instead of Armistice Day, some end to World War One kind of thing, into all wars and to honor all deceased and, and living um, Americans who had fought in that past. And then I believe they tried to change it, do the usual thing that I can't stand personally, but like, let's make it whatever Monday or Friday or whatever it was. And actually, uh, there was a lot of pushback on that. And it was pushed back, I don't remember when, 70s or 80s, back to November 11th, the original day that Armistice Day was called and began, you know. Um, so, um, so that was written into law, I'm pretty sure. Uh, in 1954 uh, and what is interesting is that it came back to be on the original day another thing that confused me very much as a child uh, you know, for another time in, in the winter but what is president's day what is washington's day what 
you know, different states do different things and what does any of it mean and why is it not on, on, on the person's birthday or what is the birthday, what is MLK, you know, it, it, it seems so arbitrary at times. And then I think because of these holidays, in quotes, that get moved around, I, I don't think anybody knows what they are except a day off, a snow day, a day to go to the movies. And, you know, since you and I both care about history and how we got here, like I say, right. I, think it's, I think it's good to, to mention these things you know um i did want to say one thing i had a friend remind me of something this morning not knowing i was going to be on this podcast and i think it's a really cool thing i don't know if you know about it um there's a monument uh a memorial in um anthem arizona and it's it's to it's a veterans memorial and it has five different pillars for the five branches you know um of the military and an 11 11 on 11-11, the way the sun hits it, uh, going through the pillars, it puts uh, the Great Seal of the United States, you know, it displays it. It's kind of a very cool thing. Really? I've never And what, what part of Arizona? Anthem, Arizona. And it's called the Anthem Veterans Memorial. And a friend of mine knowing I love history in 11-11 uh, uh, said, hey, this, I, I had forgotten about it. And this was about a half hour ago. So I thought, yeah, I'll mention it. My friend Melissa Brett, who is from Tennessee and knows a lot of history <laughs> herself, but it's very cool. So anybody listening, go go check it out, and uh, it's it's a pretty cool thing. An Anthem Veterans Memorial in Anthem, Arizona. Um, just very cool way to um, honor, you know, people. Who've well, that's that's a nice nice little piece of uh, history right there. Right? I'm definitely going. Um, Google that once yeah. we get off the board. Definitely, definitely. And and again, a way to just, you know, tune into why there is a day that's called Veterans Day and what it means, you know? That's right. And I've always been one to, like I said, however you feel about war, about standing armies, we live in a country and we have been protected whether you think we have or not and we've had people that have given their lives to serve whatever that looks like and I, I just I have to say again I think it's important to honor and you know what um, speaking on, on Veterans Day and on the uh, uh, defense of uh, the United States of America mm-hmm. you know recently the Sec- the uh, Secretary of Defense was uh, relieved of his responsibility. Yes. I have I have that as something I was going to talk about. <laughs> yes, go on. Yeah. Um, was that a good thing? I don't think so. Um, I, you know, again, I'm not a political. When I say this, I, I know things, but I, I want to always state, you know, I don't I don't have my degree in uh, political science. But a uh, actually, my best friend from age five, who I forced to read all these biographies, <laughs> I think, but went into law and definitely uh, very, you know, has a strong political interest. I'll just say that. Um, before this happened, I, I I asked her opinion, just, you know, she knows so much of, uh, you know, political law and constitutional law and stuff like that. And I asked her opinion about what was going on, you know, with, with, with you know, Biden-Harris being called, with the Georgia senators that were all, you know, <laughs> looking toward um, hoping they'll get in and she you know the Supreme Court all the issues we've talked about and she said to me you know our main concern you know what I'm looking at is that he's going to start getting rid of and this was prior to Mark Esper or what his name, his name is yes Mark was, Esper okay uh, fired <laughs> um, and she said watch for that this, this crazy destabilization of that maybe relieving the FBI CIA things that are, have to do with our defense and lo and behold the next day that happened so um, to me, what was her what was her premises for um, foreseeing all of this um, instability yeah, that's that's a good question. I, you know, I, I wish she was here so I could ask her. And I'm going to get back. We next time you have me on, I will give you the exact thing. I think it's just the way she's been watching how it goes in, in Supreme Court things and feeling like they're don't don't look there. Look to what sort of a tyrant tends to do, you know, historically. Um, 
and 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 also I will say her father's head of psychiatry at the University of Michigan. It's, you know the psychi the psychological nature of a person who's losing. Uh, you know, I mean, I shouldn't say that, and what they're going to do in terms of testing loyalty of people. And I believe Mark was not feeling loyal to. Uh, I think he was taking a constitutional approach, is is my understanding, over right. just blind loyalty to um, Trump. The concern is, though, you know, of course, destabilizing in this insane way starts making him look like he's in a bunker. It's almost like some weird Hitler kind of, like, what's he doing? You know, like, where is he and why is he getting rid of, you know, why is he making us completely vulnerable? So, but I'm pretty sure she she was looking at it along with other people, you know, in her family. Uh, right. Politics so, like that. So, do you think he is basically burning the house down on his way out i think he i think he's in the process of doing that i i think he's such a wild card that and i don't mean to equivocate believe me when we have a new new thing going on and i hope i'm on your show you will see i pretty much will say this is how it is and you know i tend to prognosticate well but trump really is i'm not taking the easy way out he really really is a wild card I mean, that's like his one character. I think we've talked about how many times. Will he come on and go crazy? Will he not? Will he, you know, will he look like he's on drugs on a debate? Will he be aggressive, uh, over the top from his usual? So the wild card with him is, is, I don't know exactly, you know, within these remaining days, how much, you know, linear burning down of the house will go. I think he won't make sense, but the closest thing that we can guesstimate is he doesn't lose well. He never thinks he loses. If, if you read the, you know, his niece's uh, biography of him, you know, there seems to be such a strong uh, case that she's made for the the only quality of daddy sort of started to admire in Trump is that he would lie even to his father. He would always say, no, I won this or I got this. Just just bold-faced lies of non-reality, you know? So since, you know, he's lost <laughs> and he's not going to say he's lost as we all, I mean, I don't think he had to, that's not rocket science to know that would be his reaction anything that he's going to do to protect himself into that you know illusion right he's going to do so does that make sense so if that means i think the loyalty test is what we need to look anybody who looks like he won't just lay down in front of a moving train for him (laughs) no matter what you know (laughs) right um, he's gonna eradicate will he will he leave or will he be escorted out? You know, I, I'm, I'm going to beg you to come back on. I've, I really, truly believe, like before, I truly believe right now, I mean, this is my prognostication plus my, you know, brain. That is unwritten. Do you know what I mean? It's being written, but it's unwritten. I, I'm not sure yet if he will be escorted out if he will drift off somewhere there's so many factors of people he owes things you and i don't know that are going on underneath do i think that there's a growing tide on both sides to get him out yes even if they're saying no you know republicans but i can't say today with any 100 percent conviction in my heart whether he will like be taken out forcibly or just dissolve into another island somewhere Um, right uh but saying he won i mean if he gets a tv show i said this last time or he gets some publicity that makes it work you know right (laughs) somewhere you know like he just inherited you know five islands and sits there and says he's starting his own government or something you know (laughs) because he didn't lose um but well you know if he um if he um (laughs) If he take that route, starting his own government, mm-hmm. that's the same thing uh, that Aaron Burr wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. see that didn't work. No, although we have to do a show on Hamilton and Burr sometimes because I've always, always been a person trying to remind people of the forgotten history of Burr, even though I sleep with a Hamilton thing by my bed. And unfortunately for me, 
a Hamilton, uh, people who don't even know who Hamilton is or John Jay or Madison <laughs> now right. know who Hamilton is because of the musical and there's some good stuff. But one of the things I was going to talk to you about today, one of the biggest proponents, you know, of the three fifths of a human and to ratify everything and not trusting the people is Alexander Hamilton. And I want people to remind, remember that <laughs> he helped us and he hurt us too, you know, depending on your viewpoint. Uh, so now, so now explain to, to, Everybody, I know what you're talking about when you said three fifths of a human, but mm -hmm. but um, for the people that don't know yeah. what you're speaking of, right? I would love to. This is a thing I just uh, you know I've always been very passionate about. I because there's so much forgotten history around it. I mean, even you know, I'll get into fights. You know, not fights. You know, <laughs> lively debates because I I will try to bring up an example that you cannot pin all of this horror on. Jefferson or you know or on any one person you let's look at it you know um, so when I'm talking about three-fifths of a person and this is very I'm going to try to simplify because even for me to try to simplify it it's, it's difficult uh, these are our, our, the formation of our government really is beautiful and I'm going to encourage people to really look at how we got here is what I keep talking to people about but it's also exceedingly complicated. Different kinds of people from different places doing different things that had never been done, you know? So that's why we as Americans are a little confused how we got here. So when I'm talking about three-fifths of a human, going back to the time of the Constitution, which I was just talking about, um, and the forming of the Constitution, part of, part of the reasons for the Constitution um, coming into being was that the Declaration of Independence was a declaration and it didn't need to be ratified. It was a declaration of rights. And, and we can, you know, of course, that did not include like, you know, ha half of the people we have now it certainly didn't include women. It didn't include blacks. It didn't include Indians. But just for the sake of the ideology, it's important. OK, but the but the um, Constitution, how are we going to get all these disparate people, places, you know, we didn't have the internet, you know, <laughs> together. How are we going to pay? We owed a lot of money, basically, from the war. How are we going to pay back money? How are we going to tax ourselves? Because, of course, we split over a lot of those issues. And and how do we enforce anything? You know, we weren't, we hadn't paid soldiers in the revolution. Lots of stuff was going on. So we were trying to get a form of government together with all these disparate things. And that's how we got to this idea of the constitution. So in terms of making this body of law that would bind us in some way and create cohesion, right? The main thing, God, it always goes to economics, doesn't it, Mark? It does. <laughs> God damn if i may say sorry i hope we move i hope something <laughs> that moves it back to some heart like you know look to your left look to your right like you said look to humans and not just the only pie is economics but even back then how much money do we owe who how are we going to pay for things how are we going to pay soldiers how are we going to do blah 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 right well right. we were so different as a nation because at that point we weren't really a nation that we were trying to become one because you know the south had you know this growing economy starting based on slave labor and you know plantations the north not a you know basically zero you know up there different kinds of uh, commerce you know and currency and tinier states right bigger states down south for mm -hmm. the most part and so how do you represent you know how do you represent to elect officials to make laws how do you represent these states into one union so what came you know it was it was a big argument and you know little states thought they would be squashed by big states uh northern states thought you know uh and and really they did i would really highly mark uh, so much encourage people to go back to the historical record get some of the good juicy sentences which i would love to tell you sometime on another show of people that really were i mean very important people in our government dickinson lots of people that really were advocating we can't do a government if we don't abolish slavery at the same time it really was there that is forgotten history you know right um and indeed the anti-federalists meaning not with hamilton let me say again <laughs> Meaning, meaning, um, anti-federalist. Meaning, not who was an anti-federalist? Yeah, federalists were for having, a, you know, federal government and the constitution and making like a, you know, a strong, you know, government. Not as much mm -hmm. like, you know, leaving it all to the states. Well, 
some of the people in the states that weren't for that were precisely did not want to ratify the constitution which i'm getting to like i said no, it's a little confusing because it hadn't abolished slavery they talked about it they tried they thought they did you know what we saw for forever maybe we can oh that won't work what about this what about our commerce you know blah 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 so i just want people to remember that you know like it wasn't like hamilton was standing around you know saying please 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 we can't have a constitution if we don't abolish slavery just want to remind people of that i'm forgotten history but to go back to the, the constitution so this was th these were some you know some some laws and things that that for the first time in history this is true except for our states that did separate ones took this thing and wrote it okay and took it to the people in all the states and said, you know, will you ratify this? So it wasn't like a declaration. It wasn't like anything a monarch had done, here's the law. It asked the people, will we do this or not? So how are we going to have the representatives of the people that will do these things, like ratify a constitution, right? So we got in, and I don't want to take the whole thing, we got into this thing about how do we measure by size of land? Do we measure by how much money? How do we know what the money is? Or by population. And so it went back and forth between, you know, money and population. And what, of course, came up, which is, you know, is, all right, down south, you know, they were, they wanted, you know, more power. They wanted to keep their growing economy. It was booming then, I mean, ridiculously. Um, I think the most slaves imported were somewhere around that time ever, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like the, when the declaration was written, you know, into America, somewhere around there. Um, and um, so around 1787. Yeah, yeah, I, I have the dates somewhere, but they're like, there's like something just so shocking again, you know, like during the time that we were saying all people can be free. And again, please remember, many people were saying you can't do this. I mean, uh, you know, John Adams, you know, wife, Jane, I mean, you know, uh, you know, um, that's Jane Franklin. Actually, I was thinking Jane Franklin, but um, uh, but there were people saying you can't do this freedom thing in our country that we're powerful, you know, without including, you know, the abolition, you know, abolish slavery and, you know, include women too, you know. And um, anyways, so at that same time that we are the champion in the world for these rights, right, we're importing more slaves, right? <laughs> so yeah, another, another interesting, you know, uh, thing going on at the same time. So anyways, because I don't want to take your whole show, I just want to get to the three-fifths thing. And I hope people get something out of this. Um, what everybody was fighting over are, you know, slaves. Are they people or property? Which even my saying out of my mouth makes me want to vomit. But, um, and depending on who it benefited, is it people or property, you know? So what ended up was that, you know, everybody's having a fight based on their interests you know some in some the fight was you know some quakers and and, and people in uh, you know massachusetts and different places you know high up said you got to abolish slavery this is ridiculous no slave should count as property or as you know a part of a person um but basically it was our first compromise that came down so i don't take your whole show and in order to get the constitution you know out to the people to see if it was ratified okay um, they came up with this compromise that is so noxious called the Connecticut Compromise or the Great Compromise of 1787 or I think Sherman's because Sherman had uh, a man named Sherman had part to do with it and they compromised this that people black people held in bondage were would be accredited as three-fifths of a human being uh -huh. um, I could do about 10 shows on things about that, but what it did, and that's why I think it's been on my mind, Mark, because I told you, I know it sounds funny, but I want to jump back there, is a great, what I call, you know, I always say the Amadeus, I have these talks, like, how do we get here, you know, to this presidential stuff, and electoral right. college, and representatives, and how, how can we see all these people there, you know, all these, this, this red there. What that did is it gave more representative power to the southern states because mm -hmm. they had slaves and that counted as partly humans <laughs> okay and so they got more representation they got more representation of picking presidents speakers of the house and to deal with the supreme court and of 
one thing I do want to mention, Indians weren't anywhere in there, okay? So they right. weren't even on the table. They weren't even a human. They weren't taxed and they weren't even, you know, in there. <laughs> so, so let's just remember that. Um, but there's an example. I did get one number because I think this will all make more sense. So for instance, if it had just been free <laughs> people, <laughs> right? Free people. <laughs> that were counted, which I guess in that system would seem a little more just, right? Well, if you're talking, these people are in bondage. If they have no right, why would they have anything to do with anything that brings you more money and say, right? Um, right. And here's a great number. So if people couldn't follow, here's something that happened, okay? So right away, when the census would be taken, that's when the census came in. That's why it came about, so we could count, so that we could figure out, you know, how many three-fifths of humans we had and humans we had um, <laughs> for representation. So at the time of the Constitution and doing this, you know, the numbers, New Hampshire, a tiny state, right? Remember, right. they're trying to tiny state versus big state versus wealth, right. but they, you know, with this idea in representation, New Hampshire had 140,000 free people. South Carolina, a much bigger state, right? Had hundred and had a hundred and forty thousand people, but they had a thousand, I think a hundred thousand or somewhere around that slaves. So they got three fifths of a hundred thousand added to what should have been. I'm sorry, but the the equal representation and choosing things, and that is how we got this crazy ass slanted train wreck going. Mm. So. South got more representation by counting. I mean, it's just, I can't, it's, it's, it's just an unbelievable idea. So beyond counting a human being as three fifths of, of a human being, which I can't even, I'm stuttering over saying, let's just see how interesting it was for the Southerners to then, you know, decide. And I'm being, I'm sure there's some Southerners that weren't, but in general, um, at this moment in history, they decided, oh, we will credit, you know, our slaves with some, some humanity just so that we get some more power to keep them enslaved. So at that, at that particular point, um, a state like South Carolina would have control, more control of the upper house? Um, it's the upper house of, of the lower house because the yes good question i didn't get to that because within that whole same uh time period uh the upper house they decided they would give you know senate the same number you know mm-hmm. but but in the house way out of whack so for instance uh you know um i think like if the the and even you know electoral votes went into this but there's uh something like 47 with the with the three-fifths of the human now don't i think this is a i have some numbers written i i I think this is what it was but it was something like this with the three-fifths of a human count right there are seven votes coming you know um as opposed to 33 if they only counted three people you know the south having that kind of power so it, it just it really threw everything off and that's that's also has to do with the court what you know in sending cases to the court this you know so i i just think these things are, are so hard to parse out because it's so much is forgotten um you can look on wikipedia and it will it, it will gloss over i, I t- kind of recommend it because I, I was curious you know uh-huh. uh it will gloss over the three-fifths human thing and use it as an addendum which you then have to go on to <laughs> And if you read a different history book through a different lens, it will talk c- completely about the Connecticut, you know, compromise having so much to do with this issue. So what's true history, right? What if you were taught, right, in school, mm-hmm. right, Mark, you know, about this from the beginning? But mm-hmm. you weren't, you know? Right. So that you knew true. history and you also knew people that had fought for your case, let's say, and to take those threads and weave them into a better environment. Right. That's very true. Wow. That's an interesting little history uh, lesson that you have uh, given our audience on three. I hope it it (laughs) 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 I think that was, uh, that, that was really enlightening because a lot of people 
our government runs in a way that a lot of people do not know or understand because our government is very very complicated very convoluted mm-hmm. um, the early forefathers they they wrote the constitution in a manner where just the average farmer of that day could not understand uh, what right. they was reading right. Um, and that some people didn't want to ratify because of that. You know, they said, why can't it be like pain? You know, common sense. Right. And it wasn't common sense. It was it, it was very convoluted. Um, and let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Why at that particular point um, do you think Alexander Hamilton had a desire to even be president or he just wanted to be a backup person to George Washington I've always felt now again I you know there's just so much I mean I probably get such a fight with everyone from the musical (laughs) but I think there's been a lot of revisionist Alexander Hamilton stuff I mean there's some again some good stuff but yes I think he was a pretty power hungry person he was also a bright person but he's also an elitist i don't know where the idea came that he wasn't you know um, i think i think the idea that came from that he i haven't seen the musical but you know just from me doing research on hamilton mm-hmm. i think the where that idea came from that he wasn't wasn't an elitist is because he was uh from the caribbean yes and mm-hmm. it, his parents died in well, his mother died in an early age. His father just left. Right. And um, so he was uh, supposedly, you know, broke, basically. And right. then, you know, they identified that this guy did have writing skills right. and sent him over to America, you know, right. to uh, hone his skills. Mm-hmm. So I think that tag stuck with uh, yeah. a person like Hamilton. And but once he got over here and he married, he married into uh, an elite family. Yes, so he did. So he, he became Perfectly. an elite. Yeah, yeah. All right. And 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 I get that. And I and I I mean I understand that. I guess uh, you know, and even in my time period, you know, one of the things about history is that you know my my tagline is always history isn't static. And what does it even mean? I mean, I'm a female, and we don't know any of the story of. I mean. <laughs> We have a few letters from John Adams' wife, you know, from Abigail saying, you better add women, you better get rid of slavery, you know, but there could have been 900 other people helping and saying that, but we don't know. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> and black and, and educated blacks, because there were and free blacks, and, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, but um, people rise and fall, you know, and Hamilton's on an upswing, but but when people get pissed about national banks and <laughs> things like this, you know, like not trusting the people, that a lot of that idea can come from some of that stuff. Yeah. You know, um, because it, that that Hamilton, you know, uh, was behind someone. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, and I don't mean to be the devil's advocate, but I actually think the more you read American history, you know, what, what we are presented and the more different stories that come out from, you know, shows like yours and different things and having the discussion, we really are like, I, I always end up like with great hope and amazement and love for my country. And I'm a mutt, I'm a this, I'm a that, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's nothing homogenous about me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But because because it really is this beautiful experiment and Alexander Hamilton in our, in our you know, four-minute discussion of him we've just given the example of it this country he could do that right right he could go to england and do that you know um there's heavy caste system going on uh you know in uh the british west indies and i mean i i'd love to talk about jamaica and some stuff going on during revolutionary times uh on another show uh-huh. um especially with this uh, you know with kamala and the jamaican uh, background because uh-huh. jamaica was no friend to us they had no interest in any kind of uh e- the whites there weren't nobody was because they were so afraid that if we as whites were doing this um uh you know revolution that 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 the uh slaves there would just keep uprising and it was our fault right. <laughs> so, right. anyways um Hamilton 
could marry into an elite, something so we were founded on as a country where the second son who got nothing, the the one who's you know the widowed person who got nothing, you know, we're, we're the outcasts and lone dogs and the hit the wrong side of the track kind of you know place to be where by some merit by your hard work. I mean, it really is true. It's not a fable, you know. Okay. And, and as much as they're flawed and we can we can blame them because we can look to what they wrote and said the founding fathers and I boy I would love if there was a founding mother or some other kind of you know <laughs> skin color background or mm-hmm. in there but still these people did read and read and read and read and read I mean Jefferson sent an entire library over I can't even imagine how many thousands of dollars in our thing from from Paris so that there you know madison could keep reading up on what countries had done and what needed to be done differently so the fact that you and i can have this conversation somewhere is embedded in this massive experiment right right that's franchise people being able to you know go in a different trajectory mm. that's very true very true wow okay, okay. so now we don't we don't <laughs> gave people a crash uh, course in uh, Alexander Hamilton very quick. Yeah. Outside of what the uh, the musical uh, told yeah, us. Right. <laughs> right. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get my ass kicked. I know it. I you know I, I did my I did a school paper. I might have said before I I lived in a very academic town. I didn't know any different. And then we moved out to the country for one year still the academic town but on the fringe you know where uh, my teacher didn't believe the holocaust was real and you know i got an f on my one paper about my relatives you know <laughs> so because it didn't exist so in that same tenor I, I also we were allowed to write a paper on anybody in history and i think i might have said this before on the show but every single kid i'm not kidding you wrote about uh you know the university of michigan quarterback or you know really or bo okay. Blacker. i mean that was it what do I do? And remember, this is no cell phone time, people. Like, <laughs> I have to go to the library. You take a, two buses home. You know, um, I write about U.S. Grant, which nobody had mentioned or talked about in school. And I also got an F uh, on that, even though I was the, the best student, uh, because he told me he was a horrible man and the worst president. <laughs> and so I've always lived with the two Fs I got, you know, because that was that history going on at the time you know from this man he was a lovely man to me but he absolutely i guess uh wasn't down with uh with a racist uh anti-semitic uh misogynistic human being and he was mad at me about writing something about u.s grant so um anyways it just reminded me of how we have figures come and go and we find out different things you know yeah um but I think I have such a passion. I, I hope I'm not overtaking uh, your your talk today. I, I I just have such a passion for continuing the discussion because we knowing and, and that's why I love your show. Knowing something and having a discussion about how we got here. That's what I call it. How did we get here? Yeah. You know, is is important. Even if you want to throw out everything, if you throw out whatever that is, the baby, I didn't grow up with these things, baby with bathwater, whatever. If you throw everything out, you don't know how you got here. A lot of resentments, angers, and not a new way to do it is always awkward. That That's true. That's true. And, um, and you know, it's always good to talk about um, how this country was formed. You know, who shaped America? Why was it shaped this way? You know, mm-hmm. why are we having elections this the, the way we just went through? Right. Um, there's a whole lot of whys. There's a whole lot mm-hmm. of whys as to like here in Georgia. Um, yeah. If you win, <laughs> yeah. if you win, uh, if you get the most votes, why are you not the winner? Mm-hmm. You know, why is there yeah. a runoff? Yeah. You know, a lot of those are are, are wise, and I think mm-hmm. uh, this podcast is going to tackle a lot of those questions. You know, because those are valid questions. You know, they are. De- mm-hmm. It's very valid. Why? 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 Because a lot of it does not make sense. You know, nope. and it goes right back to the founding fathers writing this very convoluted 
uh, constitution, uh, making a uh, fail-proof system uh, where they can put in who they want to put in whenever they want to put them in. Um, if somebody wins the popular vote, well, he doesn't necessarily win. You know, if you win the electoral count, well, that's uh, that could be refuted also. So he doesn't necessarily have to win that way either. You know, I mean, there's several different ways to win, especially the presidential election. It's not yes. clear and cut. You know, nope. it's not a clear Never cut. Happened. Well, I've won the uh, popular vote, so I win. No, you nope. don't win. Um, <laughs> you got electoral votes. You got um, uh, the sen- the senators have to certify um, <laughs> the electoral votes. And then um, if they don't want to do that, then you go to the one vote, one state. No, one state, one vote system. Uh, mm-hmm. electoral vote. I mean, it's just too many ways that you can actually lose this thing or you can actually win. You know? Yeah, so be- who understands the game of it and how are we interpreting it, you know? And I, I do feel that so much of what we've been going through, you know, forever, but let's let's just condense, like, really hitting the, you know, apogee of this in the last several years and right now. We are looking at an overhaul of of how we vote, how we count, and how we elect. And I think it's, you know, just going, that's why I think the Connecticut Compromise was on my mind. Because yeah. It goes back to that. You know? Well, let me ask you, let me ask you this big question right here. Mm-hmm. Should the United States Constitution be abolished and rewritten? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I want to, I want to think deeper on that, but my first gut is no, I, I, I Everything that I know about history, law, human nature, to throw it all out and start anew, I don't think so. I think you can take a structure and start dismantling it for stability, especially at this point because we're so unstable. So should should um, the first ten amendments be re restructured? Because you know that's one of the things that they don't want to bother the ten, the first ten. You know, do not touch that. Everything else can have yeah. a commitment to it. Yeah, I, I think, I think we're looking at a time to open that up to discussion for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, this is one again. This goes right back to the same idea of federal. You know, same kind of idea: federals, anti-federal states' rights. You know, you know, one unified. You know people you know some way we all coalesce you know and and going to how do we you know strict constitutionalists and not you know and um i don't i wasn't raised in a thing that has absolutism i don't come from religion except this that's how it is um doesn't suit my mindset doesn't seem logical to me i think we grow we change we certainly change as uh, you know our country and what we look like and you know what we believe in um and so any absolutism thing just doesn't make sense to me, you know? Like I've never, you know, this is what somebody wrote that was white in 1787, so that's how it is. But to throw something completely out doesn't make sense to me either, looking back in history and that kind of complete overthrow. Yeah. You know? I think so much of politics, why it's so frustrating, the more you learn about it, it gets more frustrating. You know, I know a lot of the, the youth getting into it are just absolutely flabbergasted. They never paid attention. They didn't care. Now they are I'm like, what in the hell is this? You know, yeah. is that, you know, it feels like five steps forward, uh, 20 back, a quarter this way, thought I had something it didn't. Um, and part of the genius to go to, to that side of some of the, you know, labyrinthine things written were to make a lot of checks, balances, and, you know, ways that not one single, uh, you know, despot could take over because yeah. that was what was going on everywhere. So, I mean, as much as Trump is trying to outsmart it all and some of it's working because of what hasn't been written, like you said, I mean, there's a lot of murky area. The more I studied up in the last year, a lot of murky area, especially on the presidency. Like, yeah. what does the president do is one of the most not outlined things. The president has so, no has no barriers. Yeah. But at the same time, some of that, you know, all over the place, uh, confusing language is really eloquent once you start to understand how it works a little bit. Right. You know, that it does 
keep one singular absolutism pretty much from happening into you know in a totalitarian way for a while right you know that's true so again i think it i think being american is saying i i don't like this i like this you know so it's like this sucks but it's beautiful we're the worst experiment we're the best experiment we're the we are the worst but 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 we gave it but we give more of a chance you know it's like we're always swinging all over the place because we weren't founded on a religion which is something i also wanted to bring up today you know one of the most amazing things that happened in this constitution was that we were the first to not say that you know that holding an office or or, or that we could decree a religion of the land or a way you had to be um if i may just say something that i I did not know till fairly recently. I did not know that offices, you know, to serve, you know, to be elected or serve mm-hmm. in office, that there were religious tests going on even during this time, you know, after the Declaration of Independence. So mm-hmm. states like Delaware, you know, uh, you'd have to you'd have to perform this test, this like religious test. And even though a lot of people still believed in that and were founded on all these sort of <laughs> absolute <laughs> religions. Mm-hmm. Everyone decided to come together and say, but you can't make that a prerequisite uh, in any way to serve in our country. And that is incredible. You know, so much of England's history and where we come from and so much of why anyone came here had to do with, you know, pilgrims, uh, you know, are are leaving (laughs) the Church of England. They, you know, could be killed for that. The Puritans are saying we need to reform the Church of England. It's it's gotten too Catholic. You know, you can a history of England is a history of religion half the time and, and more. You know, who's yeah. in charge? Is slavery okay? Is it not? What are we doing? You know? <laughs> so and having to uh you know uh make an oath yeah. to that religion. I think America um um became a watered down version of England. You know Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the reason religion, even though they formed America to try to get rid of all mm-hmm. the heavy hand of religion, but it became a watered down heavy mm-hmm. hand of religion. Yeah. The same thing. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, hard it's, it's, yeah. it's hard to depart from what you've learned and all of a sudden well, just right. cold, cold mm-hmm. turkey. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the most confusing question, my mom is a cross-cultural psychologist, and uh, so we had every, you know, culture and faith in my house all the time living with us, and, you know, I probably would have known this anyways, but it was always in my, always, and I was the history girl, right, you know, they'd ask me, you know, every single person, Japanese, Pakistani, you know, Greek, whatever, you know, it's just, I'm so confused. I thought you were the country of separation of church and state, you know, and like, why are one nation under God, what, what is all this God thinking God, all this work, you know, what's going on, you know, what's going on with all this Christian fundamentalism stuff, you know, um, and, and trying as an American to explain it is, is probably one of the hardest things Americans can ever try to explain. That's true. I, I really, I really think if we can get a few sentences, people that felt religiously persecuted came here to set up their own little places (laughs) somehow naively i guess thinking they could just separate from other people and keep their you know strong hand of how it was to be which is like where they came from right separate from others but then we all (laughs) got together and of course there were other religions happening that they discounted called native american religions happening (laughs) um you know, and and they uh, they ended up, like you said, doing a very similar thing. Yeah. However, now, now swinging back, I do want to say that there's I still am an optimist. And the hope that is there is that we did not start, though, as we look at everything as this homogenous thing. We have Pennsylvania being given a charter to something so different, you know, uh, peace, tolerance, all people created equal, mm-hmm. you know. At the same time that, you know, Jews and Catholics were here, French, you know, uh, French people became part of our, you know, uh, you know, uh, American people. Um, We had the Puritans who were not like the pilgrims, you know, we had a lot of different things going on here. It even shows if you look at old writings, you know, and that was different. That was different. 
And we need to take those threads, like I said. That's why I mean not throwing out everything, because if we did, who are we and what are we? I mean, right now, we both know, Mark, that people where I live think that where you live, and I don't mean, I don't mean Stacey Abrams, <laughs> they love her, but you know, where I live, that there's something really wrong with Yahoo's down there, and they right. need to be eradicated. Right. And people where you live, not you, I'm sure think that we are awful socialist, you know, hippie, whatever, you know, ruining family morals. So, um, you know, we're, we're not all one thing. Who, if, if we sat down to do it, who, who would make it? That's true. <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, Amadeus, we have came to the end of our time. And I definitely appreciate the whole conversation that, and, you know, and I know that our audience appreciate all of the education that you have uh, shared it on this podcast today. And I tell you what, we're definitely going to pick up on the religious aspect on the next podcast. I'd love to. <laughs> yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that next week. It sounds wonderful. And All right. Thank you for having me. And thank you, everyone. I hope my, my historical uh, little uh, soliloquy was interesting in some way and comprehensible. Yeah. And, and they can catch us on Amazon and Audible now. Amazing. All <laughs> thank right. You so much. You're doing the important work. And uh, just keep on. <laughs> well, again, I appreciate it. Take care.